All right. Happy New Year, New Philly. Yesterday, we had our first wave of missions teams return from their trips. Our Delhi, India team, Manila, Philippines team, and Cambodia teams returned safe and sound uh, with many testimonies. I got to see the India team yesterday at our church office. They stopped by. And let me tell you, their faces were just beaming. Uh, they were just full of so much joy and uh, just just happiness. Uh, regard, I guess they really liked each other. And they also uh, really liked uh, all the India uh, children uh, and the ministers that they got to work with. And Aaron and I, just we just want to say how proud we are of you for carrying the love and ministry of Christ in the anointing of the Holy Spirit to the nations. And Aaron and I are just so proud of all the sons and daughters, all the mighty warriors who went out, who uh, took time out of their vacation days to go out and serve on the missions field. We are so proud of you. And we have a few team members that are feeling a bit sick. Uh, and I want to ask our leaders to grab them after service and pray for healing over them at all of our church campuses. Today we'll be streaming the, my sermon to all five of our church campuses. Uh, this past week, you know, Aaron and I, we took some time to reflect on 2014. And we realized we had so much to be thankful for. I just want to go through the list. One, we launched our first international church plant in Sydney, Australia. And got legally incorporated there. New Philly, Sydney. Two... I got my formal ordination through KaiCam in April. And then both Aaron and I got ordained by our spiritual parents and elders at our church my retreat. Confirming to us before all of you that God has truly set us apart to lead a mighty movement. Number three, in June, New Philly suddenly got Pastor Huang and Samonim's blessing to go independent. Number four, in July, Aaron and I got to move into a beautiful, spacious new home. And we're very thankful for that. Number five, Pastor Aaron had our first two international speaking invitations in Shanghai and in San Francisco. And I went as her tag-along intercessor. <laughs> Let me tell you, she killed it. She killed it. A few, uh, number six, a few weeks ago, uh, our church, we submitted our KaiCam application to be legally registered here in Korea as an independent church. Uh, and we're waiting on that application process now. Number seven, I got breakthrough in my health as finally a specialist here in Korea who does uh, balloon dilations for pyloric openings. He's uh, one of a kind. Uh, he uh, did this procedure several times to eliminate my acid reflux symptoms and to improve the quality of my life. I'm thankful for that breakthrough that's going to bless not just me, but all of you. Number eight, the dating protocol of New Philly is having its intended effect <laughs> in expediting marriages as godly men who are man enough to be held accountable to a God-honoring romantic process are stepping up in faith. And we saw a surge of new relationships in 2014 and marriages as well. And we have many more in the pipeline for 2015. It's like almost double the number of relationships and marriages. Uh, but, you know, we keep that all on the DL unless, <laughs> until it's ready for public announcement. So y'all may not know, but you will find out as these relationships continue to flourish. And last but not least, number nine. Earlier this year, our spiritual father, Pastor Benjamin Robinson, prophesied 
that we would get pregnant in 2015, you know, in, uh, uh, in 2014. You know, the year before, you know, we got pregnant and then we had a miscarriage. And so we went through the pain and the grief and the agony of going through that miscarriage. Uh, and even with that memory starting to slowly fade, Pastor Benjamin uh, prophesied that in, two, in 2014 we'll get pregnant. And then our spiritual mama, Pastor Sonny, delivered a gangster prophetic word at our church wide retreat. She, sees, she said that God sees us as one and that he is giving us another level of authority where we can declare where there is nothing. And because we declare it, God is going to create ex nihilo, which is Latin for out of nothing. The only person that can create out of nothing is God himself. And she gave this very theologically troubling word that God was putting this new level of authority of ex nihilo in our mouths. And that when we see... Uh, the sons of the house struggling, where they're not getting breakthrough, or they're, or they're doubting. We can speak faith, and God will fill their hearts with faith because we declare it. And so she prophesied this thing, and then she said that the first prophetic sign that God is confirming this new level of authority was that I will speak ex nihilo over Aaron's womb, and that she will get pregnant. And so right there in that moment, she didn't give me no choice to pray about it. She gave me the mic and said, do it. And so I did. I declared ex nihilo over my wife's womb. And lo and behold, that very night, we got pregnant. And we're expecting our child in the next three and a half weeks. Okay. I'm, if that was a little TMI, I'm sorry. But God fulfilled his word. And we had to do our part to be faithful in stewarding that word. But yes, basically it was that night. Hey, all of you went home after, after that day anyway. Don't worry. You guys are already on your buses home. Uh, it was the rest of the staff that, <laughs> that were staying back. Anyway, just as Aaron and I just did, and we, we went through this list, we have a few more items. We're not going to share all of them, but you know, we took time to have some Sabbath delight over the entire year. And it was just, it was just so precious to us. It just filled our hearts with thanksgiving. I want to encourage you, don't skip taking this time to give thanks and delight in God's good work in your life over 2014. Journal about it, talk to a friend about it, but take time to say, this was a good year. God has been good to me. Also, as your pastor, I want to encourage you, exhort you to make New Year resolutions as you begin 2015. You know, a new year is God's gift to us. It's like a reset button. Your year might have been filled with failures, inadequacies, different struggles. But every 365 days, God gives you a reset button. The new year is the best time to set goals for a new you. I want to encourage you to keep them simple, but challenging enough to keep you engaged. And I would suggest that you make a progressive schedule instead of a static one. So instead of saying, I want to save $10,000 in 2015, uh, say, I'm committed to save 500 by February 28th. And then I'm com- if, I, if I save that 500, I'm committed to save 700 two months later. And then if I'm good with that, then I'm committed to save 1,000 two months after that. And then hopefully that will add up to 10,000 somehow. <laughs> but get yourself on a committed schedule so that the momentum of you actually accomplishing those goals, those short-term goals, you can ride that momentum to get to the bigger goals. 
whether it's to commit to read more books, exercise, eating, or getting into better sleep habits, I want to encourage every son and daughter at every one of our church campuses to make New Year resolutions. It's not too late to start. Do it this week. Set some goals for yourself. Try to keep it to three. Just keep it to three because your, your mind's only going to remember about three. All right, you do 10, you're being overly ambitious. All right, just keep the three. Remember those three and just commit to them. And this is a great opportunity, great time for you to start new goals to make a better you. Oh, by the way, um, our spiritual mom, Pastor Sonny Robinson, is actually visiting from California today. Uh, Pastor Sonny, could you stand for a minute? She's, wor- uh, she's joining us for worship today here. <laughs> our spiritual mama. Just look at her. She looks great, doesn't she? I mean, I, I've never seen her look this good all the years I've known her. And it's because she has set goals for herself for jogging regularly. And she's been jogging throughout the year. And she's just been committed. And it's become a habit for her. And it's just paying off in so many different ways. In her health, in her looks, in her marriage, everywhere. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, you know, Pastor Sonny is a living, breathing testimony. you got to set some goals for yourself. You know, uh, this upcoming April, New Philly will be celebrating our six-year anniversary. And I think it's significant because not only does it mark our six-year anniversary, but for myself personally, it marks seven years since I took over as the lead pastor of this ministry. And in the Bible, David ruled over the tribe of Judah from the city of Hebron for seven and a half years. And then he ruled over over the entire 12 tribes of Israel from Jerusalem for 33 years. And back in May, Pastor Sunny prophesied this exact word. She said that this is exactly what God is doing in my leadership, where God is seating me on a throne and giving me a scepter of authority, and where in the past I've led standing up, running around, making sure everything's executed well, That in this new season, I would lead from a place where I'm seated, where there's no panic. And in this new level of authority, knowing that all is well, I can send forth the sons. I can send forth my word, and God will go and establish order. And that's exactly what I experienced in 2014. There were some projects that came up, some really important ones. And I couldn't get personally involved. I couldn't go. I couldn't even go and make sure that things were well. So I sent Myoha. You know, I sent Susie, I sent Marcus, and I didn't even really like micromanage it. I just went and then they gave me a report and I was just so pleased that, man, they just went and they carried my heart and they just, they, they did even better than if I personally went. That's, that's what, uh, that doesn't bother me one bit. I, I'm not insecure about that. You know, really the sons of the house and my ceiling is their floor. I mean, they take my teachings and they apply it much better than I apply it to myself. And when they go out, man, they carry the love and the, and the honor in such a beautiful way. Uh, so God has taken me from Hebron to Jerusalem. So my first seven years in Hebron have been awesome. But I'm super excited about what it'll look like for me to leave from Jerusalem. And that's the season that I am in now as your lead pastor. And I'm embracing that word because there's a lot of implications that come with it. Now, way back seven years ago in April of 2008... I took over this ministry as a temporary interim pastor, and I inadvertently prophesied that the theme of 2008 is new thing, taken from Isaiah 43, 19. 
It just kind of stuck with everybody, and it ended up being the theme for the year. Even though I wasn't the lead pastor when I preached that word, it just ended up being the, the word for the year. Then I took over, and, and then a year later, I declared that in 2009, the theme of the year is the year of open doors, taken from Revelation chapter 3, where Jesus speaks about the Davidic key being on the church of Philadelphia. So I took the two themes, and I gave the ministry a new name, New Philadelphia Church. And establish a new vision to raise up an army of mighty warriors. Not a church full of bench warmers, but a church full of mighty warriors. Amen? And we got too many bench warmers. You can't win no championship with a bunch of bench warmers. Although the bench is very important. All right? <laughs> you got to have a strong bench in order to actually endure and win the championship. But you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, we got too many people sitting in their pews not doing anything with their faith. And we want mighty warriors that are able to put feet to their faith and go and do the will of the Father. So we ended 2009 with an average attendance of 110 and tithes and offerings of 227 mil. That's about 200,000 U.S. dollars. We or I made a lot of mistakes during the first two years. But, you know, in one sense, we didn't care. Because we had the thick presence of God and the fire of the Holy Spirit. And back then, that's all that mattered. We were also warned by different guest speakers to not despise the day of small beginnings. Because God had big plans for this church. Eventually, in 2009, I went from interim pastor to full-time pastor. Realizing that what God was about to do through New Philly was going to require my full investment. Then I started 2010 and declared that it is the year of epic faith. And we ran hard that year. It was indeed the year of epic faith. We planted New Philly Itaewon, our first church plant. We hosted the Niagara Conference. It was also the year that the Holy Spirit said, I will build my house on 10-year commitments. And I'm still so, so greatly indebted to those people who responded to that first altar call. People like Anita, Doug, Gloria, G, Ju, Mina Kang. Myung-hwa, Lisa Kim, Marcus, Caleb Mina, the Boyle Twins, and Jen Kim. These men and women, they were the first to respond to that 10-year commitment. And they have been pillars to our community and should be highly esteemed for taking a step of epic faith before anyone else ever did. If that's you, I want to honor you today, whichever church campus you're at. Thank you for making that commitment when nobody else had paid that way. Aaron and I also met Pastors Benjamin Sonny Robinson for the first time that year. And we made covenant to be in sonship with them shortly thereafter. We ended 2010 with a, 70, with a 65 increase in average attendance from 110 to 182 at two campuses. Then 2011 was the year of intimacy. We dove deep into the teachings on sonship and began to relate as a family while continuing to function as an army. We also opened up our house of prayer, K1, prayer tabernacle, which added a new dimension of intimacy with the Lord. And we ended the year with 226 people coming out to our Sunday services, a 24% growth. You can tell I went to business school, right? (laughs) I'm just giving you an executive summary, all right? Just, Just stay with me. And then 2012 was the year of increase. And we planted New Philly, Busan, believing that God will fill the nets of our community with more fish. An increase we saw indeed 
as we ended the year with a 33% growth. 302 people average worshiping at our Sunday services at three campuses. 2013 was the year of inspiration. We learned about how to cultivate a culture of creativity. And we also saw our college ministry, Emmaus, expand to two new university campuses. The year ended with an average of 375 on Sunday, a 24% growth. And 2014 was the year of wisdom. We planted New Philly, Sydney, and we also did a strange church plant through a church split. (laughs) We transformed New Philly Hillside into New Philly Hongdae, and we split the church up two-thirds and one-third, and we took the one-third, and we planted a new church called New Philly Shilin, which worships right here, right after this service at 4 p.m. And we ended this past year with 488 in average attendance, a 30% growth from the year before, located at five church campuses in three cities. And over the last six years, we have quadrupled in our average attendance and also in our financial giving as we ended 2014 with 889 mil in tithes and offerings, which is about 800,000 US dollars. The growth that we have seen The way that we have been able to partner with God in transforming lives, heal the orphan spirit, awaken many sons into their true identity, disciple them to greater levels of maturity. This work is enabled by the grace of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just want us to, at all of our church campuses right now, I want us to take a moment to give God praise and glory for all the good that he's done for us over these last six years. Come on, let's praise him. Come on, church. Give God glory. We just love you. We worship and we exalt you, Jesus. So thankful, God. We're so humble. We rejoice, God. God is a good God. He's a gracious God. It's been an amazing journey. So 2014 was the year of wisdom. What is the theme of 2015? Any guesses? The year of power. The year of love. Kimberly likes that in the back. The year of discipline. Come on, let's get disciplined. The year of fun. I think I just heard Rona in the Shilim service. <laughs> After Pastor Marcus's prophetically precise word last Sunday, I was tempted to go with... The year of grow up. (laughs) But I'm going to refrain because in mid-October, I began to inquire of the Lord regarding the theme of 2015. I asked God, we just had the year of wisdom. Lord, what is next for New Philly? And I try to come up with something clever and catchy, you know, because, you know, we want themes that are memorable and meaningful. But I didn't bear witness with any of my ideas. So I then searched through scripture passages on wisdom. And I began to see a theme highlighted that was the next logical theme after wisdom. And I began to really wrestle with the Lord because this theme made me a little bit uncomfortable. And since I am leading the church along with my wife Erin, I knew that Pastor Erin would have to bear witness with it. And so I thought, surely this will not get past her. (laughs) 
But when she heard of it, she had her concerns, but she did not object. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 8, and we'll read verses 12 through 21 together. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 12 through 21. And I know all of our sons from afar who are watching this video, you are getting hyped up right now. What is the theme for the year? Because even though I'm living thousands of miles away from New Philly campus, I want the full inheritance. I want to experience the fullness of what God is doing through the New Philly family. And you will indeed experience the fullness of it. Mark my words, sons from afar. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 12 to 21. I'm going to read it in the ESV. Just read along with me. And I, I want to encourage you in the new year, please bring your physical Bible with you to church. I know we have our smartphones. That's convenient and all. But I want you to look in your physical Bible. I want you to mark it up. I want you to write in, write in it. And I want you to be familiar with the physical pages of your own Bible. So bring your swords with you when you come to church. Look at Proverbs chapter 8, verses 12 to 21. I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. And I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted, perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently, they find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. You know, there, are, there are several things that are mentioned in this passage that dwell together with wisdom, prudence, knowledge, discretion. The fear of the Lord, hatred of evil, pride, arrogance, and perverted speech, counsel, insight, strength, just decrees, the ability to rule and govern justly. All those things accompany wisdom. When you have wisdom and you apply wisdom, these are the things that come along with wisdom. And these are wonderful and normal things, amen? You know, you're thinking if possessing wisdom means possessing these other attributes, then I want some more wisdom. Give me another year of wisdom, Pastor Christian. Well, I hope that your pursuit of wisdom has not ended with 2014. <laughs> but that this past year simply gives you momentum to esteem wisdom for a lifetime. Amen? Amen. That's what it's all about. It's foolishness to think that you only have one year of wisdom. Uh, the year of wisdom is like more like a diving board to, into a lifetime of wisdom. There are a lot of wonderful attributes, abilities, and noble virtues that accompany wisdom. But if you read verse 18 here, you will notice something fascinating that tags along with wisdom. Read here. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. In other words, when you truly gain wisdom and walk in it, you can also expect riches, honor, and enduring wealth and righteousness. So what is the theme for 2015? You know, this is going to make some of you uncomfortable. And for those who have a religious spirit, this theme may even offend you. But I make no apologies for it because I took it before the Lord for over these all these weeks and months. And it is what the Lord has highlighted for me. 
So, uh, Pastor David and Daisy, can you guys help me out here? All right, so 2015, New Philly. One. Y'all ready? Okay. All right, that Velcro, man. You got to fight that Velcro. Uh, Daisy worked real hard to set this up. Be sure to personally thank her if you see her. Daisy worked so hard. She does good work. David, he just tagged along at the end. He's helping out Daisy. He just, you know, that's, that's Daisy CG1. They make a good team. Are you all ready? All right. Pastor Marcus worked hard on this banner. Be sure to thank Pastor Marcus over at Itaewon. Everyone go ahead and pat him on the back if you're sitting near him. All right. You ready? One, two. Pat, the theme of 2015 is the year of wealth. The year of wealth. You know, as a church, as a house, we have been tested through different trials and persecution. We've been faithful in small things. We have esteemed God's presence. We have trembled at his word. We've diligently sought wisdom. And now as we are growing up and enter into new levels of maturity, God is saying over our house at this hour, I want to entrust you with greater levels of influence For Korea and the nations. But as that comes, I want to bless you and test you with wealth. You know, as a church ministry, we will soon be entrusted with exponentially high amounts of wealth. These are prophetic words that I've received over the years that I've been stewarding in my heart, believing and just releasing faith. And just no striving. I don't have to go and make it happen. God has promised and confirmed that the different strongly prophetic, precise ministers in different settings, that this is exactly what God has planned for us. And for select sons of the house who have been tested and qualified in the past season, you will personally steward great wealth. All the times you've been generous to the poor, giving generously to the house and to missions, the Lord has been watching you. And as it is written in Proverbs nineteen seventeen, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. God always repays those who lend to him. And I believe that some in this room, you will manage businesses that will hit million dollar valuations within this year. You will move into new sweet homes and drive whatever car you want. God will entrust to you that wealth so that you can enjoy some, invest some, and then give the rest of your money to the Antioch Center. I'm not laughing. I sense the Lord saying that there will even be some who will experience a surge of wealth, even though you're new to our church. It's like the second, third time you're visiting our church. And God just is highlighting you and putting favor on you. 
just to show that everything that he's about to do at this season is based on grace, not on works. And that last will be first, first will be last. And he's going to just reveal how good and kind he is. And there will be sons who have been tested, who will walk into this personally. And there were those who are brand new. You're just going to find yourself enjoying it. And amongst the surge of wealth that will come, only those who perpetually esteem wisdom will experience what is called enduring wealth. Now, what is enduring wealth? Well, if you look around the world, you will see enduring wealth and momentary wealth. Many times, lottery winners and professional athletes, such as boxers and basketball players, they gain wealth quickly, but a lot of times because they lack wisdom, they only experience momentary wealth. Very fleeting Proverbs 29.3 says, he who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. Remember the story of the prodigal son. He got great wealth. He got, he got the inheritance from his father. And he went and he lived as a companion of prostitutes. He lived it. He did wild living. He took that wealth and he just said, let me just go bug wild. And that wealth disappeared with the quickness. That is not a son who's walking in wisdom. We got too many sons squandering their wealth in the house of God. Enduring wealth will require wisdom in budgeting and in self-control to sticking to that budget. You know, I would encourage you, don't give generously to the 2020 fund and then get upset at me for not being able to pay your bills on time. What kind of foolishness is that? Why would you hold me accountable? I don't know your budget. Why would you ever get upset at me for that? But you know, so many people, I mean, people in church, sometimes that's not my fault. That is your foolishness and carelessness and budgeting. Don't give what you don't have. I want to point out the obvious for you today. And then for people who do that and then they get bitter or offended, then they want to turn around and cheat on their taxes or withhold their tithe to remedy the matter. What? Do you not fear the Lord? Why would that be a, like an option for you? As the father of the house, I'm jealous to see the sons experience nothing less than enduring wealth. Proverbs 13, 22 says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And I'm just planning to leave like an inheritance for my daughter who's about to be born in a few weeks. I'm not even thinking about her children, but a good man, the Bible says, leaves an inheritance for his children's children. A better man leaves it for his children's children's children. <laughs> and a man who doesn't think Jesus is returning anytime soon will give it for his children's 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 children. <laughs> anyway, all right, the bad joke. <clears throat> God has used the year of wisdom, New Philly, to prepare us for the year of wealth. Wealth dwells together with wisdom this is what i found in the scriptures we see this to be true in solomon's story in second chronicles chapter one solomon asks for one thing and one thing only as he's about to govern over israel he's young he's inexperienced his daddy didn't really teach him all the skills of how to be a king so he asked god for one thing he says god just give me wisdom 
And God is so pleased with Solomon's request that God says this, 2 Chronicles 1.12. Therefore, wisdom and knowledge will be given you. And I will also give you wealth, riches, and honor. God didn't have to do that, but God did. Because wealth and wisdom, wisdom and wealth, when you really look through the Bible, it comes together. It's always accompanied together. Psalm 112 also shows a strong correlation between wisdom and wealth. Turn to Psalm 112, verses 1 and 3. Psalm 112, verses 1 to 3. Let's read that together. It says, Blessed is the man, Psalm 112, verse 1. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. The Bible here says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Wealth and riches are in his house. Now, how does this verse relate to wisdom and wealth? Well, remember that scripture says repeatedly, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So a man who fears the Lord is a man of wisdom. In other words, Psalm 112 is saying that the man of wisdom will have wealth and riches in his house. A similar theme is found in Proverbs 22. If you turn to Proverbs 22, verse 4, I'm going to read in the NIV. It says, humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth, honor, and life. Humility and the fear of the Lord, or to put it another way, humility and wisdom bring wealth and honor and life. Yeah, there's so many people, they chase after wealth. They chase after honor and fame. But in the kingdom, it doesn't work like that. All you got to do is pursue wisdom. Walk in the fear of the Lord. And you get wisdom Along with it, that humility and the fear of the Lord, humility and wisdom will come. Wealth, riches, life. Wealth, honor, and life. Now, this may not sound very humble, but I think that New Philly, we are a humble church. <laughs> now, really, I, I believe that we are a very humble church. I think our leaders are some of the most humble church leaders on the face of the earth. And don't just take my word for it. I've heard these very words spoken by a multitude of pastors who've interacted with our leaders, whether it's Korean pastors from our mother church or indigenous pastors who've hosted our missions teams in India, Philippines, Japan, Indonesia, Nepal. So many of them have commended me for my leadership because of the love and the compassion and the honor and the humility that our leaders, our sons and daughters carry when they go out and serve on the field. Whenever I hear such reports, man, I feel so much joy, like a proud father. And, and, you know, our missions teams this past week, they were mixed from different campuses, Australia, from Busan, from Seoul, our three campuses in Seoul. You know, 
And we're not hearing from our church leaders or our indigenous pastors. Oh, the leaders from Sydney, they were particularly full of honor. And the ones from Itaewon, oh, they were just, you know, I don't know what they were doing. No, they didn't, they didn't say any of that. They said all of our church campuses are carrying that DNA. We are, I, I think we're a very humble church. And I think our humility is refreshing. Because the sons of this house, we don't pretend to be overly or obnoxiously modest. Oh, you know, you guys were so powerful. You, that was a powerful word, Pastor Anna Rowe. Oh, 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 glory to God. Oh, that wasn't me. That was all Jesus. Like, you know, it sounds noble and good and religious. But, you know, when you hear that over and over again, it's a little obnoxious. It's like, can you just receive the honor, the compliment? Of course, you can bring that before Jesus in your prayer closet. But just receive it. Oh, no, it was all Jesus. Glory to God. Let's meet more of you. And, uh. Our church leaders are not like that at all. And I'm, I'm proud because that's, that's my own kind of like pet peeve. <laughs> Instead, our church leaders, we try to be ourselves. Confident and bold, knowing who we are in Christ and the anointing we carry, yet very humble and servant-hearted. Being willing to be faithful in small things. Mopping the floor, picking up the trash, whatever. Our leaders are on it. Because we have been humble and walking in the fear of the Lord all these years. I believe the Lord says it is time to bestow on this house wealth, honor, and life. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 24, the wealth of the wise is their crown. You know, if you're a wise man many, 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 many years and you broke, you got no crown to show forth that you are indeed a man of wisdom. That's not a man of wisdom. <laughs> you know, oh, oh, that man is full of wisdom, but he needs to borrow my money again. Now, that's not wisdom. The Bible says the wealth of the wise is their crown. Because God will surely bless the man of wisdom who's walking in the fear of the Lord. You know, the new Bible dictionary by Howard Marshall, A.R. Millard, and J.I. Packer, it says it like this. The view of the Old Testament and the New Testament is that wealth is a blessing from God. Everybody say, wow. Wow. Okay. It's very obvious, but we as a lot of evangelical Christians, we're afraid to even say that out loud. The Jews, they have no problem. It's just just part of their tradition. It's part of their theology. That's the only theology they knew. You know, and so they have no problem saying, oh, wealth is a sign of God's blessing. But as evangelicals, wealth is a sign of God's blessing. No, 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 no. No, no. Having humility and... Honor and being modest is a, is a sign of God's blessing. Having a rich, quiet time is a sign of God's blessing. Knowing the Bible inside out is a sign of God's blessing. No! Wealth is also a sign of God's blessing. And these very educated men in the Bible dictionary said, the view of the Old Testament New Testament, is that wealth is a blessing from God. So when God promises, I will bless you, Abraham, and through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed, God later blessed Abraham... With great wealth. And God's, Abraham didn't go, Lord, what you give me all this wealth for? I thought you were going to bless me. I thought you were going to bless me. What's all this wealth for? Abraham didn't say that. Abraham said, look at his wealth. I am blessed in thee. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. The psalmist celebrates material blessing as a sign of God's goodness and blessing. So am I saying, if you believe in Jesus... You will get rich, drive luxury cars, and live in a million-dollar condo? Is that what I'm saying here today? 
No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, if you repent and believe in Jesus, and you learn to walk in the fear of the Lord, obeying his commands, and esteeming his wisdom, if you walk that way, God will bless you. And one way in which the Lord can bless you is with wealth and even great wealth. And there are responsibilities that come with possessing great wealth. There are also dangers that come with possessing great wealth. And we will, we will cover these responsibilities and dangers in a future sermon. But God does not withhold his blessing because of these concerns. He's a generous God. He's a gracious God. He's a rich God. Proverbs 10.22. In the NIV it says, The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. And he adds no trouble to it. And it's written right here on the bottom, although it's kind of taken, it's kind of blocked up by these guitar amps. Hey, reposition these guitar amps so you can see some of these verses sometimes, all right? But it says, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. Proverbs 10, 22. I want you to memorize that verse this year at New Philly. Make no apologies for the blessing of God. You know, the man who gains wealth by God's blessing is oftentimes infinitely more humble than the man who gains wealth by his own diligence and pursuit of the American dream. You meet people like that, they're full of arrogance. But people who have this story of God's favor and blessing and provision and breakthrough, they are oftentimes very humble. You look at, you look at King David, even though he was lavish with all this wealth, he was still always intimately connected with the Lord. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. He adds no trouble to it. So stop adding trouble to it yourself. Make no apologies for God's blessings on your life. And do not be overly anxious about what people will think about it. You know, there are difficulties to entering into this next season as a church. Different challenges. But as your lead pastor, I am committed to teaching and discipling you throughout this year so that you can walk out a lifetime in which you will continue to fear the Lord, esteem wisdom, have healthy views toward wealth, make no apologies for God's blessings, and to always use money as a servant to the purposes of God. There are too many people that serve money, but money is a terrible master. And Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. You're going to end up despising one, hate the other. Money is supposed to be your slave. If money tries to get up and, and capture your whip, you say, money, get off that whip. Money, you are my slave. You're my servant. I mean, slave is a little bit. Uh, servant, you're my servant. Money, money, you're, you're good. You, you do good things. But when you carry that whip, you're bad. So let me carry this. Whip is bad too. Money, you are my servant. As long as money is subservient to the kingdom purposes God has put on your life, it will continue to be a sign of his blessing, not of your downfall. So many people disqualify themselves from the, from the purposes and plans of God because they get overly anxious and concerned about someone else who made a mistake. 
And mind you, there are people who have fallen into the God of money who've made compromises and sold their soul to the devil in one sense. There are people who've made mistakes. But those people did not have a rich community like this. See, you're already wealthy. You're surrounded with this wealthy culture of worship. This rich culture of acceptance and love here at New Philly. Busan, Itaewon, Shilim, Sydney, here at Hongdae. There's this rich culture of acceptance. I can't think of another church in the world other than Pastor Sonny and Benjamin's pastor, uh, Living Hope Christian Center. I can't think of any, many churches in the world where you just step in and people don't judge you. No matter what you've done, they don't judge you. No matter what lifestyle you're living and still struggling with, they don't judge you. They just accept you. They love you where you're at. And then they also love you to maturity. They don't just love you and leave you there because they love the word of God and esteem the word of God. They say, all right, all right, I loved you. All right, I accept it. You get it. You get it now. All right, let's move up. Let's come out of that compromise. Let's fear the Lord and walk in his wisdom. Because the blessing of the Lord wants to come your way, but you're disqualifying yourself from it by living like a fool. Or you don't say fool by that time. You only say fool when you're ready to hear that. But we have already a wealthy, rich, in many ways. Isaiah 61, 6 says, there's a familiar verse to our church leaders. You will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. And we always stop there. Yeah, that's from our seminar, Call to the Ministry, where we talk about how all the saints of the church. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.11 that God gives apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. But a lot of times you go to churches, everyone who comes expects the pastors to do all the work of the ministry. The pastors are supposed to preach. They're supposed to lead prayer. They're supposed to pray for me. They're supposed to counsel me. They're supposed to get me out of all my messes. But Ephesians 4.11 says, no, 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 no. These full-time ministers, these gifted people are given to the body of Christ to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So we teach in that seminar called Call to the Ministry that every born-again believer is a minister. Every born-again believer in this side of the cross is a priest. And we carry the ministry of intercession on behalf of people who are struggling. And so we always stop there, Isaiah 61, verse 6, the first half of that verse. But if you read the rest, it says, you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. And then it says, you will feed on the wealth of nations. And in their riches, you will boast. Lord, that's evil. We can't, we can't feed on the wealth of nations. That seems too big. We can't boast in these riches. That seems so evil. God, no. No, but that Bible, Bible this is a prophecy. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches, you will boast. Why is a Christian able to boast in the wealth of the nations? Well, when they understand that it was not their hard-earned diligence that got them there, or luck, or their parents, but it was the blessing of God. And the blessing of God always comes with it. The purposes of God. And here's the thing about God's blessing. A lot of people think 
very one-dimensionally. They think the blessing of God comes with the purposes of God, and that's it. That's not true. The blessing of God has multi-purposes. The blessing of God comes to provide for your family. The blessing of God comes for your enjoyment, your, your leisure, your enjoyment, for you to get whatever car you want. Now, it's on you what you choose. If you go, go, go crazy and, you know, you're going to deal with all the social stigma, that's on you. But, you know, but you, if you really want to, I mean, you should, you, you want, you're willing to put up with the social stigma, you do what you want. You don't have to make apologies for it because God don't add no trouble to it. Remember, he doesn't add no trouble to it. But it's multi-purpose. God's blessing is there to provide for your family, for your enjoyment, just for you to say, I delight in your goodness, God. Look at this beautiful home you bless me with. It is the result of your goodness and blessing, Lord. And it comes with the purpose for you to be a blessing to the nations, for you to be a blessing not to just you and your three, but to the city and the nations, to the missions field, to the mighty church you're a part of that's doing a building fund to build a apostolic Antioch center that's going to be a blessing to the entire church community and also to the nations. Yeah, purposes. So the blessing of God comes for your provision, for your enjoyment, and also to use some of that for his purposes. And in that sense, you can boast in those riches because you know that you, you in your own plans could not have accumulated that kind of wealth. But God gives, and he's done that over and over again throughout biblical history and throughout church history. Just surges of wealth. And it comes from the most unexpected sources. You think, oh, a, a Christian entrepreneur. I'm going to meet a Christian entrepreneur one day. And he's going to write me a check. And then and he's going to take care of the building fund or something like that. No, 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 no. You're going to meet some drug dealer. Uh, maybe not a drug dealer, but, you know. <laughs> or, or, or whatever. You, you meet a man who has accumulated his wealth in a wicked way. Oppression. Human trafficking, even. And you think, oh, I don't want to touch that money. And God says, oh, you will if I give it to you. And the Bible says that he who pleases the Lord will receive wisdom and knowledge. And he who does not please the Lord, the wicked, they have the task of gathering wealth to give it to the one who pleases the Lord. It says in Ecclesiastes. It's going to come from all kinds of unexpected sources. And when it comes, you will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches, you will boast. You know, I always knew that God had highlighted this verse for our church. And I hear the Lord whispering at this time, the time of its fulfillment has arrived. You know, lately, Pastor Aaron and I, we've been watching a TV show called Shark Tank. Uh, I think it's uh, on ABC. We bought it on Apple TV, you know, $25 the whole season. We've been going through the whole season. We've been watching like three, four, five episodes a night. Uh, <clears throat> Shark Tank is a show in which venture capitalists, like investors, they sit on like five different chairs and different entrepreneurs come out and they present their business idea or their business that they're currently running. And then they ask for an investment from these venture capitalists and they say, I am here today to promote Joe's smoothies, Joe Pang smoothies from the island, from Staten Island. <laughs> these smoothies are full of life. And when you drink these smoothies, you're able to go to new levels 
Joe Smoothies. Today, I'm here to ask for $100,000 in investment for 20% of my company. You know? And so different entrepreneurs, they come out and they ask for an investment. And then what the venture capitalists get, they get a percentage of the company. And then they also, the entrepreneurs receive resources, like human resources, connections, um, to, for, for them to get their company to new levels. And it's really cool. They do these uh, follow-up stories of previous episodes. It's amazing. Like these companies, like they're making like cupcakes with like little special sprinkles. And then the, uh, and the venture capitalist is like, that is a brilliant idea. How much are you selling? We're selling like 100,000 cupcakes. What? How'd you sell 100,000 cupcakes in, in two months? All right, well, well I'm going to invest 200,000 in your cupcakes. And then they do a follow-up story. And then they're like, we sold $500,000 of cupcakes last year. And in the first two months after connecting with, you know, uh, with Mr. Wonderful, you know, now we are, we just sold $1 million of cupcakes. I'm like, what? How did you do that? And so we were watching the show. And as we've been watching, I realized that God is very much like a shark, a venture capitalist. You might not like the analogy, but it's in the Bible. If you look in the New Testament parables, God is like a venture capitalist. He doesn't like just making random investments. He doesn't just make investments in good ideas. He also looks for good ideas and good people that can run the business. People with integrity. People who are going to give him a good return on his investment. He looks for people with good faithful stewardship, good management. That will make a good return. And when he finds someone who's making a good return, he takes, he, he, he's a little harsh. He takes from the one who's not making any return and gives it to the one who is making the return. That's what Jesus said. He'll take even the, what he has will be taken from you. God is like a shark in, in that way. He's like a venture capitalist. Shark Tank is like God's, I think it was God's idea to do this show. <laughs> to show forth an aspect of his character that many Christians do not have a good revelation of. And I believe God is here today like a venture capitalist looking for entrepreneurs that will give him a good return on his investment. Those who are faithful, diligent, and find joy in sowing into his kingdom. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Paul's taking offering collections. And he's like, look, you guys are excelling in everything. You're excellent in everything. Worship, ministry, your, your, your discipleship. You're excelling in everything. Make sure you also excel in this grace of being generous. This grace of giving. God is looking for those who want to excel in the gift of giving. And you know, I want, my desire as a pastor is I want every member of the church to excel in the grace of giving. You know, the bigger your giving gate is, the bigger God's giving gate will be to you, his blessing gate to you. The smaller your giving gate is, God will say, oh, I can't funnel enough money through there. So I will keep my blessing also limited. It's according to your faith. Many times the blessing of God falls upon you. You have no one to blame really a lot of times for you, but yourself. But I believe today he's looking for those who want to excel like at a 
exponentially high level in the gift of giving. So right now, I want to ask everybody at every campus, I want you to close your eyes. My prayer for every member of New Philly and even people who are non-members yet but have been coming out and been blessed by our ministry, my prayer is that all of you will excel in the gift of giving because if you want to experience this year of wealth, you got to experience the gift of giving. you got to excel in the gift of giving. you got to continue to seek and pursue wisdom, walk in the fear of the Lord, honor God's word. You think sometimes, why, what's the point of me honoring God's commands and honoring his word and living in purity? What's the point of all that? There is a point. Because when you walk in the fear of the Lord, it pleases the heart of God. And when the heart of God is pleased, he releases his blessing. And when he releases his blessing, it brings wealth. And the Bible says he adds no trouble to it. At every campus, I believe that God has set apart end-time financiers for New Philly. God wants to entrust six figures and multi-millions to you for the sake of funding the movement of this house. For the very specific purpose of you funding the movement of this house. And there is a resource in heaven with our name on it. And there are various connecting points to that fountain. And it says on that fountain, unlimited resources. We're not talking just what other churches and other movements have seen. We're talking about an unprecedented display of the transfer of wealth. There's a fountain in heaven that says unlimited resources and there's different connecting points. And I believe that today God wants to connect some of you guys who feel called to be an end time financier for New Philly to connect to that fountain and experience and learn how to steward this wealth. Even with all of its dangers, even with all of its responsibilities, trusting that because of the community you're in, you will never fall. You might stumble, but you will never fall permanently. There's too many people who care here that will allow you to go on the path of destruction with that wealth.